Listener Production. Informally known as Bibi, Benjamin Netanyahu has served longer than any other Israeli leader. Six terms. Many believe this is a reflection of the 73-year-old's astute political skills and also the image he created of himself as Mr Security. But that image was shattered on October 7th when Hamas broke through the border and violently attacked. And protests outside of Netanyahu's residence in Jerusalem are getting bigger every day. And earlier this year on The Briefing, we also covered the protests that erupted across Israel due to fear the government reforms will severely undermine democracy by weakening Israel's court system. And today we're going to learn more about Netanyahu, what his reign has brought to the region, and if he's expected to hold on to power much longer. And of course, what sort of future Israelis and Palestinians can expect in the months ahead. Guy Siv is Associate Professor in the School of International Service at the American University and also Associate Director at the Centre for Israel Studies. He's also written a soon-to-be-released book about Benjamin Netanyahu called Netanyahu versus the Generals. Benjamin Netanyahu has had the longest career of any Israeli leader and you've previously described him as a political magician. In light of events nationally and internationally over the past 12 months, how would you describe him now? Well, the magic appears to be over, but up until recently, up until this past year, his sixth government, the Netanyahu that most Israelis knew was somebody who was telegenic, charismatic, somebody who could deliver powerful speeches, somebody who, th- who thrives in front of the camera, and somebody who was somehow able to overcome numerous obstacles politically and with his ongoing trial into his corruption scandals was somehow able to survive so far the uh, indictment and become prime minister again and serve as the longest uh, Israeli prime minister in the country's history. So there's definitely something of, uh, of a magician in Netanyahu. No other Israeli politician has that sort of ability. Netanyahu, the statesman, and Netanyahu's legacy, that's a different story. So do you think that brand of magic is coming to an end? I think it has come to an end. I think that at this point, given the absolute magnitude and the sheer horror of the Hamas massacre that occurred on October 7th, uh, he is no longer regarded as the person who is going to protect Israelis. He's no longer regarded as Mr. Security, which was the self-image that he had long cultivated. Even though historically at times of conflict, people tend to hang on to their leadership for stability. But as you said, that image of Mr. Security has been shattered and those protests outside of his home in Jerusalem, they're growing. That's right. And so I think in general, you have this uh, notion of the rally around the flag effect that takes place Mm. anytime a nation is uh, at war. We've seen it time and again in, in the States and elsewhere. But I think here you have to distinguish between The idea that Hamas needs to be crippled, which I think is a notion that the vast majority of Israelis hold, versus supporting this particular government. And polls show that uh, not only is he unpopular, but he is somebody that most Israelis, including many of his own voters, would like to see resign. But they expect him to do so after the war. 
So let's take a few steps back into the foundation of some of Netanyahu's beliefs. So his father was a revisionist Zionist who believed that Israel should exist on both sides of the Jordan River. That's where Jordan, Syria and parts of Lebanon are, which rejects compromises with neighbouring Arab states. Have these views always been reflected in his policies, you know, expanding the illegal settlements or more so of late? His father uh, was a big influence on his life and uh, was a follower of Zev Jabotinsky, revisionist Zionist thinker who supported this notion of a greater Israel, quote unquote. Netanyahu definitely was influenced by his father's teachings. To some extent, he holds that ideology today. But Netanyahu is also a pragmatic politician who at times has veered away from this kind of hardline approach that uh, his predecessor, Yitzhak Shamir, had and some of his colleagues hold today. That said, he was never a supporter of territorial compromise, the idea of a Palestinian state. And I don't see him as somebody who would ever commit himself to a two-state solution, notwithstanding the speech, the historic speech he gave uh, in June 2009, in which he acknowledged the need for a two-state solution. This was done primarily for President Obama's ears, but this was not something that I think he was planning to pursue in earnest. Publicly, from what I can see, they do seem very aligned, the Biden administration and Netanyahu, in that using the lines like Israel has a right to defend itself, not calling for a ceasefire. Where do you see those differences? So the differences are beginning to come out now, uh, slowly but surely, as the war drags on. It's been about a month now. We're seeing a, kind of a high casualty rate in Gaza, and there's a lot of pressure both domestically and internationally on the Biden administration to kind of rein in the Israelis. And I think that uh, there are going to be more calls for what the administration calls humanitarian pauses, as opposed to a ceasefire. But on the whole, I, I do agree with your, the premise of your question, because Biden has spoken time and again, uh, very publicly with moral clarity and empathy towards Israel. There's no question mm. that he sees himself as a Zionist. He's said as much. He supports a secure Israel. He faults Hamas for this war and has been very unambiguous about it. But beyond the rhetoric, he's also been very helpful to the Israelis in terms of providing Israel with military assistance, ammunition, and interceptors to replenish the Iron Dome, sending out two carrier strike groups to the Eastern Mediterranean to deter Hezbollah and other actors from taking advantage of the situation. He has spoken with Netanyahu on many occasions since the start of the war, and Secretary of State Blinken has been there couple of times. So I think that on the whole, he has been steadfast uh, in his support for Israel, even though, as I said, there are some differences that are emerging in terms of the scale and the proportion of Israel's tactics in Gaza, especially the need to rein in some of the more aggressive forms, uh, for example, the bombs that are targeting, obviously, the Hamas leaders, but also kill innocent civilians as well. So that's something I think that the Biden administration has had a series of, of more private discussions with the uh, Netanyahu government about. And locally, Netanyahu's before the courts on fraud, bribery and corruption charges, um, ones that he denies. There were also mass protests that erupted across the country earlier this year over that contentious judicial overhaul plan. 
In your opinion, is this a man who for too long has managed to avoid accountability? Yes, uh, he has. And I think that if you look at his motive for supporting what they call the judicial overhaul in the last year, you definitely see this kind of personal stake that he has in weakening the Supreme Court and ensuring that he does not end up uh, in jail. And this was what Mm. perhaps was driving uh, him to some extent to support the reforms that are now on hold because of the war. So, yes, I do think that uh, this was uh, kind of a motivating factor for him in terms of uh, evading the law. Given we discussed that Netanyahu does not believe or really accept the idea there could be a workable two-state solution, and by turning his back on a two-state solution and weakening the president of the Palestinian Authority, is Netanyahu in part and his leadership to blame for emboldening Hamas? I would absolutely agree with that notion. I mean, we know that throughout his political career, he's always supported this notion of managing the conflict instead of resolving it. And as part of his management of the conflict, he has made a conscious decision to weaken President Mahmoud Abbas, to undermine Abbas at every turn. And by doing so, he has emboldened and strengthened Hamas. He has enabled, for example, the Qataris to deliver cash to Hamas, tens of millions of dollars that uh, may have been used by Hamas to arm themselves against Israel. He has conducted prisoner exchange negotiations and numerous ceasefires with Hamas. And with respect to Abbas, who was always supported the two-state solution and opposed violence, he pretty much has been dismissive of him and has all but ignored the Palestinian issue when you look at his strategy for normalizing relations with uh, the so-called moderate Arab countries. Uh, He did so while neglecting the Palestinian issue. And now this has come back to haunt him, of course. His idea of the two-state solution was simply to kick it down the road. Kick the can down the road, don't deal with it, forge relations with other Arab countries. You don't need to worry about the Palestinian issue. It'll, it'll kind of resolve itself. And that's been clearly proven wrong. In recent years, Amnesty International has come out calling Palestine and the conditions in which Palestinians live an apartheid-like state. Just this year, a UN expert has warned of a new instance of mass ethnic cleansing. Do you think this is how the history books will remember Netanyahu on his way out? Uh, I think the apartheid claim has been used now for, for decades to describe Israel's policies in the Palestinian territories. I think it would be more accurate to say that if Israel does not pursue a two-state solution with the Palestinian leadership, it will become an apartheid state. It is, in fact, becoming a binational state. And a binational state in which uh, Israelis, Jewish Israelis are the minority would be effectively an apartheid state if the minority controls the majority. Mm. And you can also argue that there are apartheid-like conditions in parts of the West Bank. So I think the way to prevent Israel from turning into an apartheid state is to pursue a two-state solution, which would also be consonant with the Zionist idea of having a state that is both Jewish and democratic that would live side by side with a Palestinian state. If Netanyahu doesn't survive this, and by your expertise and many other experts who've been commenting suggest that he won't, 
what's next for Israel's leadership? Will he just be replaced with another far-right prime minister with a far-right cabinet? The short answer is nobody knows. Most Israelis today identify with the right. Given their experiences with the Second Intifada, various waves of violence and Palestinian rejection of various offers of a two-state solution in the past, the majority of Israelis see themselves as either right-wing or center. There's a very small, relatively small percentage that identifies a left. So on paper, it looks like the right-wing would be able to prevail in future elections. But currently, former general, former IDF chief of staff, Benny Gantz, is seen as the favorite. But nobody really knows. This is a very fluid situation. Nobody knows what the state of Israeli politics will be after Netanyahu leaves the scene because it's going to be a major game changer. So you can see a lot of changes. It'll reshuffle the deck. Associate Professor Guy Siv from the School of International Service at the American University, also Associate Director at the Centre for Israel Studies. The war in Gaza will end eventually. Nobody knows when or what the death toll will be by then. But when it does, it feels like Israelis and Palestinians will have no political horizon to look to. They'll be even further from a peace process to rekindle. It seems even further away from an end to the illegal occupation. And I fear there'll be little hope for a better future, free from the loss of innocent lives and horrific human rights atrocities. And as Guy Siv said, that will be part of Netanyahu's legacy after his long years in power and after kicking the can on the two-state solutions and not providing Palestinians with a humane way to live. Listener.